Friends, family, Hokies, get ready to hop in the time machine here. The Sons of Saturday are back, and we're doing something a little bit different here. Um, We are going to go back in time. Enter the Sons of Saturday Rewind. We will be picking games from the past. Some of our favorites, we will be rewatching them. Let you know in advance. Some of you may have watched, some of you may have not. And we're just going to do a little deep dive on on, uh, games of yesterday. Um... I, as always, am joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Grayson Wimbish and Patrick Finn. We'll go west to east. Grayson, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Bill. Honestly, quarantine has me way more productive than I've ever been in my entire life. Uh, so I would say things are going pretty well for me. Pat, how are you feeling, man? You good? Yeah, I'm doing good. Excited for this little segment here. Uh, haven't been doing too much guys. I've, uh, I've left my house like one time the last seven or eight days. So, uh, you know, to those of you who might not be social distancing, figure it out guys. You know, the, uh, the sooner you do that, the sooner this will be over and we can guarantee a football season in the fall. Figure it out. If you're not social distancing six feet, man, like, come on guys. It's It's not not hard. It's really not that difficult. Just do your thing. We want to play football. As Pat always says earlier in the season, literally get off his lawn, get on your lawn, and just chill out for a couple days. Just do your own thing. Stay out of trouble. Regardless, we got a great football game lined up here. We're going to talk about the 2009 Chick-fil-A Bowl. It was played in Atlanta between the 11th-ranked Virginia Tech Hokies. They were 9-3 and and the 7-5 Tennessee Volunteers. The bowl streak was back at 17 appearances in a row. This was the second meeting between these two teams since World War II, and Tech was favored by five and a half points. Who was coaching these two teams? Well, as the case it will be for most of the rewinds, Coach Beamer, in a young Silver Fox appearance, was coaching the Virginia Tech Hokies, and Lane Kiffin, minus 25 pounds, probably being a little bit of a hooligan back in the day, was coaching the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> the game was played on December 31st, 2009, and Matt Millen and Sean McDonough were on the call. I'm going to pass it over to Grayson. Grayson, give us some uh, some hokey history about this game. little hokey history for you. I, I live for hokey history. 2009 season was a special season. A lot of young talent emerged and a lot of veteran talent uh, really sealed off their careers. It was Tyrod Taylor's junior season. He decided not to go pro following this game. We opened the season against Alabama in the Georgia Dome. We lost that game 34-24 to after having a 17-16 to lead in the fourth. So the Georgia Dome was not too good to us earlier in that season. However, the Chick-fil-A Bowl was. It was sold out for the 13th consecutive year since the Chick-fil-A Bowl's inception. Uh, we had nine wins going into this game In addition to the loss against Alabama, we had two back-to-back losses in the middle of the season, kind of unexpected losses, heartbreaking losses to Georgia Tech and UNC. Georgia Tech, we fell behind there. I believe we were ranked fourth in the country at the time, did a little bit too much, a little bit too late, and then UNC, Ryan Williams had a devastating fumble, which cost us the game in the final seconds, and Honestly, you know, with the with the loss to Bama and the loss to Georgia Tech and UNC, it kind of made our whole bowl situation a little bit weird. So, Pat, how did how exactly do how exactly did we end up playing in the Chick Fil A Bowl? 
Yeah, coming in second in the Coastal that year behind Georgia Tech, who ended up going on to win the ACC. That was uh, the Josh Nesbitt-led Georgia Tech team. He was a uh, thorn in our side over the years. But uh, you might ask, why were we playing a 7-5 Tennessee team? But we'll tell you, the the, uh, SEC Bowl tie-ins at the time, uh, obviously, Bama— Jumped over that Sugar Bowl berth and went straight into the uh, the national championship at the Rose Bowl. They beat Colt McCoy and the Longhorns. And then uh, next up was the runner-up in the SEC, Florida Gators, played in the Sugar Bowl. If you recall, back in 09, this was the game that Tim Tebow uh, was defeated uh, in Atlanta in the SEC championship by Bama. And he was uh, pictured crying on the sidelines. Following that... Um, the Cotton Bowl selected Old Miss. The Capital One Bowl picked LSU. And then the Outback Bowl picked Auburn. So Tennessee was next. And Tennessee, you think it, it would have been Georgia, but since Georgia was a local team and Tennessee would have had the uh, the geographic rivalry between Tech and Tennessee, you know, you got you know Bristol at the, uh, the halfway point there. Um, Tennessee defeated Georgia head-to-head, so that kind of uh, allowed the Chick-fil-A Bowl Selection Committee to pick Tennessee over Georgia. We also played so, them just uh, three years previous as well, Pat. We had been defeated by the uh, the Dogs in the same building three years previous. So, uh, yeah, 2009 had those tough losses, uh, but also had some incredible wins. You know, talk about our September. <laughs> we had... The Bama game, September 5th, and then three straight games at Lane. We boat raced Marshall, and then we beat Nebraska. Obviously, Nebraska, Tyrod did it. Mikey, uh, 19, or uh, I'm sorry, 16 to 15 at Lane. And then the following week, 31 to 7 over the nine ranked uh, Miami Hurricanes. And then some other highlights. I loved the awesome Nike Pro combat at UVA and at Maryland as well. But, Bill, talk to us a little bit more about this game. So, as you mentioned, uh, the Georgia Dome was not friendly to us early in the year, and the Domes in general were not very friendly to the Hokies. Uh, The last six games, Coach Beamer had lost in Domes coming into this game. The last win came at Syracuse uh, quite a ways back. But Tech was on a four-game winning streak coming into the game. Uh, This game was up for grabs to seal the sixth consecutive 10-win season for Coach Beamer coming in, and Tennessee was hot as well, winning four of the last five. And Holly Rowe, one of the best in the business, a young Holly Rowe, was talking about how much Lane Kiffin hates his kickers. They were one for eight from 40-plus yards or more on that season, and four attempts had been blocked. If you may remember, a block is what sealed the win for Alabama in what seems like the closest game that they have played against Tennessee, and 20 years, because they've just been beating the hell out of the Volunteers for uh, as long as anyone can remember. Um, But he called his kicking situation, quote, a disaster. So not some great, not great confidence in the uh, in the kickers. But um, moving on from there, let's go into starting lineups. Uh, Pat, on offense, we had seven Virginians starting. What a throwback. Go ahead. Tell us about these lineups. Lots of guys from Virginia on this roster. And first and foremost, Ryan Williams in the backfield. Kenny Jefferson, that's a throwback. Uh, at fullback, Danny Cole, and then Jarrett Boykin, and Greg Boone. One of the biggest tight ends we've ever had on our team. And on the line, we had Ed Wang, uh, Sergio Render, Bo Warren at center, 
James Brooks at right guard, and then Blake DeChristopher. I think it was his sophomore year at right tackle. Specialists, we had Brent Bowden, and then Darrell Roberts was taking kicks back, as he did in the first game of the season against Bama in the same building. And then J. Ron Hosley at punt returner. This guy was so elusive as a punt returner. We loved him as a uh, as a defensive back, but he was extremely elusive as a punt returner as well. And then on the defensive side, uh, the front four, Jason Worlds, John Graves, Cordero Thompson, and Nikos Brown. Those are some throwbacks. Uh, linebacking core, we had Barquell Rivers, Lindell Gibson, and Cody Grimm. And then the secondary, uh, due to a Stefan Virgil uh, academically ineligible, ineligible ruling, Chris Hill got the start, uh, Cam Chancellor also at safety, and then Davon Morgan and Rashad Carmichael. And then uh, one of the, f- the funnier things was how young Bud Foster looks uh, in this game on the sideline. You know, the energy is there, but he just looks, uh, you know, it was a decade ago, and it was definitely, uh, you can tell from uh, Bud's appearance. And then Tennessee, they didn't have many uh, many superstars on this team. You know, they were, they were hot, but uh, all they had was Eric Berry, who was the Thorpe Award winner. It was his uh, his junior season. Everyone wanted him to come back for his senior year. And he said, I don't want to play football here anymore. I got some money to make. And then uh, Monty Kiffin and Lane Kiffin, obviously. And then uh, Jonathan Crompton was their quarterback. And Montario Hardesty, the running back. So moving right along here, um, there's the Hokie history. We're going to get into our categories. Uh, categories, again, since this is new, we'll do a great job of walking you through, letting you know what it is. Feel free to play along. Agree, disagree, let us know. But the categories are brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy, located in Blacksburg. They put out a post today. Guys, gals, there's toilet paper on those shelves. And Jeremy understands that we don't want anybody coming in there hoarding all the toilet paper. We want every Blacksburgian to have equal opportunity to get as the toilet paper that they need to survive for the time being. So it is a one package per person. Come on in, get your toilet paper, get on out. He'll even bring it out to the curb for you. So Main Street Pharmacy, thank you so much for what you're doing. They're holding it down. If you need supplies, you know where to go. Our first category here is called First Impressions. You turn on the game, whether it be on your Fire Stick, your laptop, your phone, your iPad, or maybe you're casting it to your television. You're watching the game and you take your glasses off, you rub them, you're like, what it? Wow, that jumps off the screen at you. So what jumped off the screen at you, fellas? For me, you alluded to it, Pat, the speed and the elusiveness of our kick and punt returners just completely jumped off the screen. They seemed like the fastest guys in the field. It seemed like they were a step away from breaking it. Uh, several opportunities where one more move or if the punter didn't by mistake tackle him, he was scoring a touchdown. Um, that jumped off the screen. And also, Bo Warren, who actually played a really good game. I just looked at him. Bo Warren looked extremely small, but it was because the rest of the offensive line was massive. Our offensive line were just maulers. And then Bo Warren was in the middle making the calls and making sure everybody was headed in the right direction. But those are the two things that really jumped off the screen to me. Pat, what jumped off the screen for you? Initially watching this game, Ryan Williams, the amount that, first of all, we gave him the ball. We gave him the ball 16 times in the first half. Uh, His ability to improvise, his ability to make guys miss and how dynamic he is and how smart of a football player he was, the vision uh, was just completely 
leaps and bounds above most running backs we've ever had at Virginia Tech. What about you, Grayson? Honestly, guys, just the – I think it goes without saying. You watch number five, T-Mobile, Tyrod Taylor. I don't think I've ever missed a player wearing the maroon and orange more than than that kid. Or I should say that man. He's 30 years old now. Um, he was just so comfortable, so confident, so poised every time he – dropped back in the pocket to make a throw. Even if he overthrew the guy, he got right back under center, said, let's go win this football game. I'm not going to let it phase me. He busted out. He did it with his legs. He did it all. And just to see, you could just tell it was his team. Those guys loved him. He was the leader. And I just, I miss watching him play in Blacksburg, man. And now, I don't know if you guys heard, but recently I think watching this broadcast is what, what's going to send me over the edge in terms of pulling the trigger on this thing is I got to get me a Tyrod Taylor LA Chargers jersey. Bolt up, baby. That's my QB1. Let's go. Honestly. <laughs> they got to, they got to, I don't know about the new uniforms, the new uniforms that they just announced are not great. But maybe if you can get a uh, if you can get a if you can get a throwback one, absolutely. And 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 Grayson, that leads us right into our next uh, next segment here, which is called Intoxicating Nostalgia. Uh, so we're gonna start here with what age the best. And I actually had watching Tyrod Taylor, just the way that he carried himself, watching the way that his swagger after he scored, his energy, and and you know just everything about him, he carried himself just awesome. And then watching him, it was just it was a great throwback. We actually put out a video today um, of him looking into the stands as time was ticking down, uh, doing the Let's Go Hokies video, and it just it was just great, great content. Um, but other than that, the old ESPN college football intro. Oh man, what a callback! Yep. With the old, with the old, with the old graphics. Uh, we won't say this on every episode, but you can. But that just really stood out to me. Running backs in single digits. Uh, that's cool. And the guy's name is Montario. That was pretty dope. Uh, Skinny Lane. Baby Lane Kiffin, and a young Coach Orgeron. You're watching, you're watching, and you see this boxy figure, and it's, go Vols. It's like, what? Whoa, whoa. That that looks weird, but very interesting there. Um, Untucked Jersey, Tyrod. Again, another Tyrod thing that stuck out. Everybody wants to talk about Untucked Jersey, Kyrie. Let's talk about Untucked Jersey, Tyrod. Just going up there, cool customer, and just handling his business. And what aged the best for me, and what probably aged the best for everybody, was looking at extremely angry Tennessee fans with horrible haircuts and Fu Man shoes or whatever else they were rocking. Watching Tennessee fans squirm and just be super upset is one of my favorite pastimes. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Pat, what did uh give me walk me down nostalgia lane for me? Uh, my biggest highlight from this game that I thought was pretty funny was the fact that late in the game we had a uh, we had a a jet sweep on a reverse and a guy where number 11 took a jet sweep for a big gain. And you know what? <laughs> Tyrell Roberts, Trey Turner, if you're watching this, uh, this rewatchable, I'm seeing you doing the exact same thing. So I think that's pretty incredible. Honestly, for me, it goes, and this may be a hot take. You guys may disagree with this. I really, I used to not be a big fan of the Virginia Tech pit stain uniforms, but seeing those and the the way that the numbers looked, maybe it was the nostalgia factor, but those things are pretty sharp. Also, 
you know, I'm, I'm one to rag on Tennessee as much as the next guy, but I actually prefer the uniforms that they wore in the Chick-fil-A Bowl and prior to that in the Fulmer years hmm. to the cream no si- to, to the cream sickle orange I'm out, that, they, th- that they're wearing these days. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Like Leanne Tui says in the blind side, it's kind of that gaudy orange, but it's their gaudy orange, so it works. That's that's yeah. my hot take on the day. Adidas uh, did miss, him, Adidas did him dirty, man. That's that's when dirty. you know you got Adidas when you got. Uh, I don't know about that take, Grayson. It's okay. All right, all right. That's just one man's opinion. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I miss a huge nostalgia factor here. That defensive line, boys. Jason Worlds, John Graves, Kadero Thompson, aka Taco, and son of the Godfather of Gogo himself, Nikos Brown. Uh, funny story for those of you guys who don't know, the way that Kadero Thompson got the nickname Taco, apparently he and Chris Ellis were hanging out one day and they had first met each other. And Chris said, Hey, what's your name, man? And Kadero said, My name's Kadero Thompson. And he goes, That sounds like something you get at Taco Bell. And from there on out, he was known as Taco. What kind of Taco Bell is this guy going to? I don't know. I don't know. Chris Ellis was going to a weird Taco Bell, but, but shout out Chris <laughs> Ellis and shout out Kadera Thompson. I also miss, uh, I think this one also just goes without saying, Bam Bam Cam, number 17 Chancellor, the duo of Cam Chancellor, and the Grim Reaper, number 26 Cody Grimm. Those guys were special, man. They really, really were. Cody Grimm never, ever missed a tackle. Cam Chancellor hadn't even really fully bloomed yet into the superstar in the NFL that he would become one day. And here's a minor one, guys. How many times did you see a helmet fly off and the player didn't have to walk off the field and sit yep. out of play? I sure, I sure do miss that, NCAA. I sure do miss that. Should be your choice to wear a chin strap. But safety first here at the Sons of Saturday, so wear a chin strap. I also miss the beefier shoulder pads. That's just another just makes me think of like the late 90s National Championship Virginia Tech, that whole run and everything. And then this is completely unrelated to Virginia Tech or this game. But guys, the commercials for the Red Bull New Year's No Limits, the Travis Pastrana stock car jump, the rally car jump. Oh, my gosh. I used yes. to love that. I, I used to love that as a little kid because I know. I can imagine all three of us probably grew up watching either Nitro Circus with Travis Pastrana or Rob Geerdick's Fantasy Factory where Travis would show up. And that was always just so cool. So to see those commercials in between uh, the quarters and at halftime, just wow. I, I remember watching that on TV. And then I guess the last minor nitpick that I have is throwback to the days where the referees wore white pants as opposed to black pants. Maybe you never caught that minor detail, but back in the day, they used to wear white pants as opposed to black pants. Pat and Bill, if you have nothing else to add, uh, we're going to transition here into what aged the worst. Bill, what you got? So what aged the worst? You're watching the game and you see something say, ooh, that doesn't look good, or ooh, oh yeah, I do remember that. That was horrible. So let's uh, let's dive into what aged the worst here, and here's what uh, stuck out. So my brother comes walking in as he typically does in his underwear with no shirt on, um, strumming his guitar. He's home. We're sharing about a about six feet we sleep apart from each other. And he looks at the screen, hand in his pants, and he goes, oh, those helmets, poor brains. <laughs> so you look, and they got the old shut helmets. They got the old Adams helmets, the old egghead helmets. Those aged, those aged poorly. 
Um, the All Virginia roster. Um, I love to see it, but just uh, it's not something that exists right now. But we're trying to get back to it in all Virginia roster. Another thing that has an age grade is looking at the other team's roster and not seeing a whole bunch of Virginia guys. That was refreshing, but just not really the norm right now. So got to set those uh, those gates back up around uh, the state of Virginia. Um, another thing that was fun, I found myself continuously looking at the at the ticker at the bottom um, I saw some Big East basketball before that thing was ruined. Um, I saw some uh, academy information, but I saw a bunch of Tiger Woods. They literally had a Tiger section. I'm like, oh, what did he win the Masters this year? What did he do? What, what's up with Tiger? Nope. It was Tiger Woods losing every single sponsorship on the face of the planet. Tiger Woods has been dropped by Braun. Tiger Woods has been dropped by AT&T. Tiger Woods has been dropped by Victoria's Secret. He probably didn't have a Victoria's Secret line, but he was dropped by everybody. So uh, not a great year for Tiger Woods, losing all his, uh, his uh, sponsorships. So that aged poorly. The last three I have for you here, dyed hair Lou Holtz. Um, you know, just seeing Lou Holtz on the halftime show being rolled out there with his dyed hair, and ah, that was rough. That was rough for a few years there. Um, we had under center snaps, which have been a pain point in the Virginia Tech uh, deal, but uh, Tyrod did get under center and sneak one in, uh, not going from the gun with any jet sweep action. That was refreshing. Um, and then Holly Rowe had a comment about uh, J. Ron Hosley after he had this huge hit. He destroys Crompton. And then uh, Holly Rowe says, J. Ron Hosley came off of the field and, and he's throwing up. He has no helmet on. So I don't know. He may have some flu-like symptoms. Seems that J. Ron Hosley may have, been, uh, may have had a concussion, but uh, we did call it getting your bell rung or having some flu-like symptoms. But that is definitely not the kind of commentary we would see in 2020. Uh, Pat, what jumped off the screen for you? Don't have too many things here. I already talked about the Tennessee uniforms, but that was at the top of my list. Uh, <laughs> a funny tidbit from the post-game interview with ryan williams holly rose says so ryan you know what's your new year's resolution at being new year's eve and he says stay focused that's not that that is not a new year's resolution (laughs) (laughs) a new year's resolution you're supposed to you know change something improve something and not stay the same so uh you know we'll have to uh hopefully ryan had other resolutions as well but grayson i know you have a uh and what age the worst thing that we kind of disagree about, but go ahead. You know what? I don't, I don't want to be mean, but just seeing Lindell Gibson on the field brought back a lot of very politely called anxiety. Uh, you just never knew if he was going to, and now to be fair, and it, it was at this point in his career where he was actually playing well. If you want to see that guy, you want to see that guy at his peak, watch the Florida State game from 2010, AC Championship game, and uh, Lindell Gibson holding up oranges at the end of the game. You know, he, he played his butt off. But, yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, Grace. <laughs> hey, and Lindell Gibson, if you ever listen to this, I love you, man. Go Hokies. Bill, I, I do have to piggyback off of one thing. I, I'm so with you, man. I do not miss – Lou Holtz at the halftime of every no. game with Mark May and Reese Davis telling me that Notre Dame is going to win the national title, spitting all over the camera. I'll Don't tell you, I just, I, 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 I can't, I can't stand it at halftime every time. 
<laughs> Notre Dame's gonna win the national. T- Shut up, Lou Holtz. I don't, I'll miss you. So anyway, get hey man. Throwback get, to Mark May. <laughs> getting back to uh, getting to the game. Let's talk about the game a little bit here. So in the first quarter, in the first half, quite honestly, we were really just pulverizing volunteers in every major statistic except the score. Um, Ryan Williams opened up the scoring, scoring the first two touchdowns on short runs. He only had about 30 yards um, through the first quarter and a half, uh, but he was punching it in in the end zone. And then Tennessee, um, fueled by a turnover, uh, was able to tighten the gap really quickly. Montario Hardesty had a four-yard touchdown run with six minutes and 43 seconds left and actually ended up tying it at 14 with 18 seconds left where Denarius Moore had uh, received a two-yard pass from John Crompton. And then, right before halftime, we had a little bit of controversy. Bill, I got to stop you there. We have some breaking news, uh, you know, just watching the, the, the rewind of this game. Something we left out. What did we leave out? Meyer was also hiding from his family that he was having chest pains <laughs> during the 2009 season. And this is right after the, uh, the loss to Alabama. Uh, in that SEC championship. So just another thing to uh, to turn your clocks back to 2009, let you know what was going on, that and Tiger Woods. Back to their, our regular scheduled program, Bill. You're right. He did say that he was hiding chest pains from his family and his team for their best interest, which not too sure about the thinking there, but that's what uh, Urban Meyer was thinking. So whatever. Uh, Urban Meyer, stand-up guy. Um, so then right before halftime, we had a a crazy situation. Our offensive coordinator at the time, Mr. Steinspring, I'll tell you what, he took his Viagra before this game on third and long on first and 10, we were taking shots and we get the ball around at the, at the 48, 49 yard line and first and 10 and he goes deep and Pat, we got two seconds left. We catch the ball. Time runs out. You got Orgeron running off the field. What? It was pandemonium right before halftime. It's funny because um, Boykin just kind of looks up and he's trying to find the scoreboard and see how much time's left. And you mm-hmm. can see him call the timeout. And Frank's, they show a, a, uh, a signal of Frank jumping around and doing a little timeout dance. And you see Shane Beamer in the corner. And you're just like, wait, who is that guy? Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Lane and Coach O and all the balls and their ugly unis are trying to run it off run into the locker room but no we got we got to review that we got to check that out because there is one second left let's put her back on the clock and uh we'll get our guy maddie maddie ice waldron out kick the chip shot and we go into the halftime 17 14 that's right thank you mr steinspring and I don't know if you guys saw, but as soon as Lane Kiffin and co. came back out on the field, who does good old Coach Lane go straight to? The Zebras. What the heck, man? What the heck? How is there, how is there still a second left? Well, Lane, uh, Coach Beamer over there, the good, old, the good old Coach Beamer called a timeout. That's how there's a second left because Jarek Boykin was down. So Lane Kiffin, not too happy. Went into the locker room 17-14 at the half. Come in after halftime. Tech really takes control of the game. They dominated the scoring at the uh, after that point. Matt Waldron hits that 21-yard field goal to send us into halftime. And then Tyrod Taylor 
kicks off the scoring with a one-yard run under center quarterback sneak. God, nostalgia right there. But you gotta give you gotta give credit to the back-to-back runs to kick off the second half by Ryan Williams. This is where he really earns his stripes, and uh, you know these are these runs are what got him MVP this game. He gets out in the open field, he's making guys miss, he's breaking tackles, and this is like okay, electrifying Ryan Williams. Tyrod punched in, but Ryan got us there. And another thing that happened in the game is is uh, and that I, that I forgot, and I feel like everybody did, is Tennessee had an opportunity when they were down, I believe it was 24-14. They had a wide-open receiver streaking down the middle of the field, and he just... Denarius Jones. Jones drops a ball that hits him directly in his hands. He would have walked into the end zone and cut it to one score. Um, but a missed opportunity there, and um, Tech goes on to score three more times and end up winning 37 to 14 and um, a huge win for the Hokies, obviously. And let's just kind of dive into some of the other angles of this, uh, this broadcast and this game just to kind of go back in time. And the next segment here is called notable commentary. You were listening and maybe, maybe you're making an egg sandwich. Maybe you're on the Twitter machine and you hear something and say, Whoa, Whoa, let's spin that back real quick. One of the segments that uh, Pat and I rewatched the game together is uh, the top FBS rushers in college football. They went through all of the freshmen that were leading in the NCAA. And there were some great running backs that were upperclassmen. You had Gerhardt, you had DeMarco Murray, but the freshman class was really standing out. You had Ryan Williams, LaMichael James, Bernard Pierce, and Deion Lewis from Pitt. And Deion Lewis... Pat got very angry at the at the Dion Lewis thing. What what what's your problem with Dion Lewis, Pat? I don't have any problems with Dion Lewis. I'm sure he's a great guy. He was, you know, one of the uh, the running back pipeline that Pittsburgh was just churning out. You know, they had Dion Lewis, they had uh, Shady McCoy, but Pittsburgh's playing, you know, JV teams every week because this is when they were back in the Big East in 2009. You know, their toughest opponent was Cincinnati all year. You know, they had Youngstown State and Buffalo and Navy and Yukon, Rutgers, South Florida, Syracuse. You know, this is just this is the J V conference and you know, I'm sure Dion Lewis uh would have been a great back on any other team as well. But uh, you know, at this is at the point where Big East football is just a complete afterthought. So I had a little bit of uh, a little bit of beef when that uh, when that screen popped up. Understandable, understandably so. Some other commentary that stuck out was uh, Matt Millen was uh, raving about Ryan Williams when Ryan Williams has gotten hurt, and they showed a a wonderful view of uh, of Mrs. Williams concerned for her uh, for her for her son, obviously, and she appeared to be texting. And Matt Millen goes, "You see, Mama texting. I'll get back to her in a little." <laughs> that was an interesting uh, an interesting tidbit there. Um, David Wilson, when David Wilson came in for Ryan Williams uh, in the end of this game, uh, David Wilson comes in and uh, Coach Beamer talking about David Wilson. This guy's going to be one hell of a back when he stops running into people. Had a huge blitz pickup the next play, and then on the play after that, he ran directly into a Tennessee tackler with his head down. Um, But what one hell of a player he turned out to be. Uh, Pat, Give me some of your uh, commentary that you uh, that you enjoyed throughout the game. Yeah, Matt Millen uh, was talking about Cody Grimm and Coach Foster and said that Bud Foster had said Cody Grimm is the best pound-for-pound player he has ever coached. Uh, you know, this is up to the point of 2009, so, you know, 
another uh, another ten or so seasons after that. Uh, you know, I'm sure Rook Ashby or some other guys would love to uh, fight Cody Grimm for that top spot. But I thought that was cool. Uh, a funny thing that happened was uh, toward the end of the broadcast, they were talking about how Ryan Williams needed 117 yards to break the single season record uh, previously held by Kevin Jones. And uh, or he got 117. He only needed 110. And uh, he finished up the season with 1,655 yards. But uh, Billy Ray, upon finding out that he broke the record, <laughs> he broke the record, he was like, oh, he broke the record, man. Good for him. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like, dude, yeah, like, you trying to give this guy congratulations 11 years after this game? Like, <laughs> you're a weird dude. Grayson, what did you uh, what did you find from this uh, this commentary? I thought I thought it was really really cool at the very beginning of the game. Sean McDonough recalled the 2009 Nebraska game where every Hokie knows Tyrod Taylor and the infamous comeback. Taylor looking desperately now throws it has deep. Has a man open. With a stand in the final minute. Taylor, design, roll to the left. Now comes back to the right. Waving receivers around. Nobody open. Running out of time. Finally throws. And it is caught. Touchdown, Darrell Roberts. A complete professional demeanor. He said, Oh, yes, Tyrod led his team to a comeback against the Nebraska Cornhuskers earlier this season in September. I was on the call, and it was a great moment, but will forever be ingrained into the minds of Hall Hokey fans, and he just kind of completely skimmed over it, which I just can't relate to at all. Matt Millen was talking about how Bud Foster uses Cody Grimm, and I quote, he says, how Bud Foster uses Cody Grimm? What, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Nobody knows. And I think that's very telling of the, the position that Cody Grimm played for us for a number of years where it was just he was so dynamic. He could drop back and play safety. He was that whip linebacker. He probably could have played on the defensive line and still made tackles for all we know. Matt Millen also went up. Matt Millen's a funny guy. I think I'm, I discovered in this game that I think he's one of the most underrated commentators, at least in college football, Bill, earlier you were talking about David Wilson and some of the remarks that he made about David Wilson, and I know he said, well, that David Wilson, that kid's a freak. He's a cartoon, end quote. And I couldn't I couldn't agree, because David Wilson was a freak. He was a cartoon. That ste- He was like Wile E. Coyote. Steam would come out of that kid's ears when he was doing eight backflips in a row at media day. And then the final thing that Matt Millen... <laughs> said that I thought was hilarious and it was just so incredibly awkward was a couple minutes into the third quarter we're about to go down and score I believe it was right as Tyrod was about to run in and there was a false start and Kenny Jefferson was the uh was the person who jumped and Matt Millen said Kenny Jefferson didn't think anyone would see him but no we saw him And it's literally, he said it exactly like that. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay, that's, you're really passionate. 
Really but passionate Sh- about that false start there. Sean McDonough is so good at it because Sean McDonough doesn't call him out. He just goes directly into the play, like doesn't even acknowledge it. He's like the perfect to pair him up with a guy that says awkward stuff sometimes. Um, it's like me. It's like me on the Sons of Saturday when I say some awkward stuff, and you guys are like, "That's great." Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> another one. Another one where Sean did that was uh, was Matt, was Matt Millen was listening to Holly uh, Holly Rowe was talking about. How cute it was to watch um, to watch Ryan Williams hugging Ed Wang and his off- his offensive line when he broke the record and and Holly was like you missed this moment it was so cute Ryan Williams was hugging all his offensive linemen and it was just a really cute moment moment and Millen goes Holly <laughs> there is no cute in football <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I couldn't agree with you more Gray it was a, it, I love listening to Matt Millen a big tw- uh, Big Ten guy played at Penn State. Um, just a ton of fun to listen to. So, uh, he was great. And then this leads us into our next segment, which is called, um, what are we doing? What what are we doing? And this is basically, you're watching the game and something happens and it's just immediate face palm. Um, whether it be for one team or the other, obviously you have the Tennessee drop. There were some very angry Tennessee fans that did a very good job not uh, saying any vulgar words into the camera, no potty words on the on the broadcast. Um, but that drop definitely stuck out. But Pat, give me some uh, give me some of your face palms. Face palm number one, uh, Chris Hill. This dude works, you know, real hard worker. He was in the game because he was replacing Stefan Virgil, as I mentioned, because he was on uh, academically ineligible. Chris Hill was a, I'm pretty sure, now we might need some fact checkers out there, but I'm pretty sure it was NCAA 2009 or 2010 EA Sports game. Chris Hill was listed as an impact player. And, you know, that means he has the star under him on defense when you when you have him as your player. I was always just like, what? What are we doing? You know, what are we doing with that? Chris Hill, I don't know if he's... Uh, if they're they got the wrong guy, if this is an imposter, but that's not a uh, not my uh, not my guy for an uh, impact player. Another thing that was a little bit wacky was uh, the first touchdown by Tennessee uh, in the, the second quarter of the game. Montario Hardesty, they're on the four yard line, and uh, he runs to the left. Cordero Thompson is a brick wall and just stands him up and is you know. Pretty much just wrapping him up and about to throw him to the ground. And instead of wrapping up, he kind of just like bear hugs him. And Hardesty gets out of it and goes in and scores. You know, should have been a three-yard loss. And Hardesty is in the end zone instead. But what happened right after that, Bill? The, so they cut, to, they cut to my man, Cordero Thompson. And he's going to sit on the bench, maybe grab some Gatorade or Powerade. I don't know who we were sponsored by at the time. And Coach Wiles comes in H-O-T hot and hits him with almost looked like a Randy Savage choke slam. He was angry, but everybody, just take a deep breath. This was out of love. Okay, Charles, Coach Wiles is a very loving man. I uh, was out of love and obviously got his point across. So um, he, was, uh, he was not happy about the uh, – he probably told him, what are we doing, Cordero? What's going on? Uh, Grayson, what do you got? Fun fact, Marcus Davis, number seven wide receiver for the Hokies, had his fifth catch, not of the game, not of the last three games, of the entire season in this game against the Tennessee Volunteers. And some people remember Marcus Davis for 
being a talented receiver, but a receiver who maybe then was a little bit lazy at some times. Um, but yeah, fifth catch of the season. Not not Marcus Davis's best best season in 2009. And then we already talked about this a little bit earlier. The whole Denarius Moore completely whiffing on a wide open Crompton pass. Now keep in mind this is a volunteer play, but couldn't believe it. Like that could have been a difference maker in the game. He had about five to six steps lead on Cam Chancellor, Bam Bam Cam, the enforcer, and ball is right in the breadbasket. Crompton throws a dime to him, and Denarius just drops it. Alligator arms drops it. And you can just see the palpable frustration from the Tennessee volunteer section. That entire half of the Georgia Dems, hands on their head, biting their teeth their their teeth were grinding down into a powder for how frustrated they were and to, to be honest i don't blame them but it's probably good that he didn't catch it because we uh we won by a substantial margin so that was that was kind of tight jay another uh another another play that uh i'm sure drove tennessee volunteer fans crazy was we uh were actually forced into a fourth down in the red zone. I believe this was uh, before our second touchdown. Um, and unfortunately on the tackle, unfortunately for them, uh, they face masked Tyrod uh, or was a horse collar of some sort and ended up giving us the ball right inside the five-yard line and we were able to punch it in. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things kind of fortuitously fell uh, in Virginia Tech's favor. Tyrod did have one underthrow of... Um, was that Andre Davis who he underthrew? Uh, who did he underthrow on the? Uh, we ran four verts. Andre, Andre Smith. Andre Smith. Smith. Yep, we under we underthrew Andre Smith, which kind of sucked. Um, but definitely, uh, most of the bounces went our way. Um, and then we move right along here to our oh yeah that guy section. Uh, and for me, it was Ed Orgeron. I was just looking at him in Tennessee Orange. It was just a, a very weird uh, weird callback there. Um, from there but pat who was your oh yeah that guy for me it was shane beamer uh just seeing him at the uh the end of the half there when frank's doing his timeout dance and shane's at the bottom of the screen this is at at the time uh he was at south carolina um as one of their one of the members of their staff and it was funny because he was just wearing like street clothes where everyone else on the sidelines you know in their uh in their game day clothes what about you, Grayson? Another non-Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah, that guy. Forgot all about that guy. During the commercials, and there were a lot of really great nostalgic commercials that we saw during this broadcast, they showed the clip of Terrence Cody blocking the Tennessee kicker's kick during the Alabama versus Tennessee game that, that went down yep. to the wire earlier in the season. And for those of you who don't remember, Terrence Cody was that he went to scuba tech, if I'm not mistaken, and transferred to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Big number 62 looked like the planet Jupiter out there <laughs> blocking kicks. And I, I, I just remember he was all ESPN talked about. Terrence Cody, Terrence Cody. He's the best defensive lineman we've ever seen. Terrence Cody, he's so large and so athletic. And it's like, nah, he's just kind of big and fat. So, shout out Terrence Cody. Please, if you ever see me out in public, please don't eat me. Um, I'd really appreciate that. Shout anyway, out uh, Terrence Cody. 
Shout out Terrence Cody. Please don't eat me. Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Moving right along to our uh, to what's that guy doing on LinkedIn these days? Kind of threw this sub uh, this uh, category in there. Let us know what you think. Just uh, kind of guys that you're watching. You see them make a play. You see them on the sideline, whatever, and you and you're like, I wonder what that guy's doing now. Let's uh, let's check in on LinkedIn. Kenny Jefferson, our fullback, was just pulverizing cats today, uh, and I was like, I wonder what he does. He practices law in D.C. So if you're needing of law in D.C. Hit up our man, Kenny J. Uh, and then moving along to Matt Waldron, who, guys, clap it up, hit his 46th yarder in this game, which was a career long on his last game, rocking the maroon and orange. Uh, quasi iced the game in the fourth quarter. He's a wealth advisor. So if you need advising on your wealth, hit up Matt Waldron. And he's available in North Carolina. So give him a call. Um, so shout out to those two. Uh, and now we're moving right along to peak this. It is what you saw, and you were like, wow, this is the upper echelon, the upper 1% of what we're watching. And what really stood out to me was this bowl game looks like a ton of fun. Um, I mean, you get Chick-fil-A. You're at the Atlanta Aquarium. It's packed. You're playing Tennessee. And this is back where bowl games mattered. It was sold out. You don't have the playoff. I have this weird thing where I go back and forth on if I think that, you know, having a one national championship is better. We won't get into that. That's for another podcast. But there was something about bowl games back in the day where it seemed like all of them mattered and it just seemed to mean a lot more. Um, And that's something that I don't think we're ever really going to get back to is bowl games meaning as much as they did back uh, back then. So that's really what stood out for me. Grayson, what do you have? Honestly, the... (laughs) The main peak this that that I saw, just something that stuck out like a sore thumb, and I think you guys could agree with this, Ed Wang, number <laughs> 77, that lion's man. Oh, man. That hair. I remember he had been growing that out pretty much his entire collegiate career. And then finally, I mean, that was... It was bad. His hair, it, it, it was, I'm not going to, yeah, it was bad. It was down past like his pecs. It was absolutely mm. insane. Uh Get a get a haircut, Ed Wang. Get a haircut, Ed Wang. Because you mean who knows? Somebody could have been pulling on his hair. One of the defensive linemen pulling on his hair just to knock him down, get him out of the way to get to Tyrod Taylor. So, Pat, what do you got? For me, it's got to be uh, the peak of worst handshakes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> End of the game. Lane Kiffin and Frank Beamer walk to meet each other at midfield. And Lane Kiffin, Mr. Dead Fish, R.I.P., this salmon is dead, and probably the worst handshake I've ever seen. I mean, just kind of blows off Coach Frank Beamer, the legend, the uh, the legend Frank Beamer, the nicest guy in the world, only three and a half hours away, you know? You guys share, share borders, you know? You got to give this guy, like, at least a hug, man. No, Dead Fish half handshake doesn't even look him in the eye hey man if i'm hiring lane kiffin i'm moving on to the next candidate is all i'm gonna say sheesh harsh words from paticus finch here moving right along favorite play or sequence here are the last two of the game i'm gonna give you guys the uh tyrod jet just dropping it right into a bucket to danny cole 
uh, second quarter, 1347, a 42-yard reception on first and 10. I told you Coach Steinspring took his Viagra that day. Uh, we get a nice little bailout on the third down, and then Williams punches it in and makes it 14 nothing on that drive. But that, dro- that, that drop in a bucket was a great play. J. Ron Hosley misses a pick six, barely skinned his fingernails, and then on the next play, he absolutely obliterates Crompton in the second quarter on a corner blitz, uh, where Holly Rowe then said after he led with his head that he was experiencing flu-like symptoms. So hoping that J. Ron is okay. Um, Tyrod's prayer right before halftime, we were able to get the job done. Uh, Tennessee's running in the locker room. Nope, bring it over back, Molly. And then we get to go in and uh, take the lead right before halftime. Pat, what do you got for me? I loved the Ryan Williams breaking out that first run of the second half. Uh, the, the shimmy shimmy makes two guys miss in the open field with the shake and bake. And then also uh, throw it back to, I think it was the first drive of the game for Tennessee. Rock Carmichael picks off Crompton and kind of sets the tone. Hey, man, you're not going to have a great day today. My two favorite plays of the game actually did come on defense. First off, I, I already said this earlier, I missed that defensive line so much. Jason Worlds is one of my favorite players to ever put on uh, the maroon and orange. And the play there towards the end, it's where Lane, Lane Kiffin was still messing around with Bud Foster. They were already down. They had lost the game by this point, but Lane was like, nah, 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 I can't go out this way. No, I got to go score. And Foster was like, all right, bet. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess your life up and send the house. So he sends the house. Jason Worlds gets back to Crompton, forces a fumble. John Graves, had he had a little bit better balance, could have picked it up and housed it, but he did the smart thing and he fell on it. I think it was the next series after that. There was, I don't know, some odd 15 seconds left. Same thing, Kiffin's, nope, not going away, not going to take a knee, not going to take a respectful loss. So Foster says, all right, bet times two, sends Dorian Porch, sacks Crompton big time, walks off the field like it's nothing, shakes it off his shoulder, boom, game over. So shout out to the LPD and shout out to young Bud Foster. Moving right along to our last segment here uh, for player of the game. Um, I'm just going to say a name and we can all stamp it here. This is the Ryan Williams game. Nine rushes for 79 yards in the third quarter. He absolutely dominated this game from beginning to end. Uh, do we have any disagreements here on Ryan Williams, player of the game? Nope. Love nope. Ryan Williams, player of the game. Some honorable mentions here. The offensive line was fantastic all night. They gave up one sack, uh, had 229 yards on 48 carries, 48 rushing attempts uh, on that night. The offensive line was fantastic. And the tech defense, Grayson, as you mentioned, Tennessee came into this game averaging 383 yards per game and 29 points per game. They had 14 points with 240 yards. And Grayson and Pat, brace yourselves. They rushed the ball 31 times for a whopping five yards all game long. An absolute great game by Bud Foster and his defense. So that wraps it up. Um, It was a ton of fun rewatching this game. Um, a ton of fun doing this. We're looking forward to doing this again. And, and Pat, there was a really cool Easter egg that if you kind of turned it off right when the last play happened or uh, you tuned out or walked out of the room, you would have missed it. Um, but it was crazy to hear again. Pat, what, did you, what, what, did, uh, what was Sean McDonough talking about at the end of the game? Yeah, most folks were getting ready for Travis Pastrana's big jump and weren't even paying attention. But Sean McDonough says uh, right at the end there, they're like, yeah, 
No, uh, no games coming up on the out of conference schedule for these two teams to meet in the next few years. But there are some rumors that uh, they were trying to make it work at the uh, the Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, I know that those rumors were shut down a couple of years ago. It would be quite a sight. You know, I know it would hold 160,000 people there, but uh, the way the track is set up, the people would be too far away from the field to see. And lo and behold, uh, some seven years later, we uh, we got to go to that game, and he was right. We could not see anything. <laughs> Good thing they installed that scoreboard. But uh, I thought that was a, a pretty cool Easter egg uh, as well, Billy. Friends, this is a ton of fun. Uh, as we said, first time doing it. We're learning as we go. If you uh, have any games that you would like to hear in the future, have any suggestions for... Um, other categories or, or other ways that we can do this, we're all ears, but we have a very exciting week coming up for you next week with a, a couple of guests, um, maybe a trio of guests. You'll have to just wait and see, but we have a really exciting week. Grayson, you know what? What the hell, Grayson? Let the people know who's coming on, uh, coming on the podcast here. From the blue waters of the Chesapeake Bay to the hills of Tennessee, the Virginia Tech Hokies are on the air. Bill Roth will be joining us this Sunday to uh, to talk sports journalism at Virginia Tech, his time at UCLA, his time as the voice of the Hokies, and a plethora of other things. You will absolutely not want to miss that episode. The man will be on the radio with the Sons of Saturday. Grayson, we are super fired up about that, and we really appreciate you setting that up. I know that... Um... Bill Roth has uh, had a huge influence on you and your love for sports journalism, so it's really excited to have an opportunity to have him come on and talk. And we've had a nice little run with sports journalism with David Cunningham and had on Lays, and really excited to add uh, Mr. Roth to that uh, to that lineup there. But as we roll into shout-outs, uh, I know we've mentioned it a couple times, and we try to bring happies and smiles and, and kind of get away from everything going on. But I, I do want to just hammer this home. A, good, a really good friend of mine, uh, 23 years old, has a podcast, actually. Uh, it's Ball Talk with J-Rob. But um, we grew up together. We were in high school. And uh, he had texted me the other day and it said, hey, like I'm in the hospital. I have an 103.8 fever. Um, not sure what's going on. He ended up getting tested uh, and had coronavirus uh so a lot of people out here are acting like you know it doesn't affect young people it's not you know a big deal for people that aren't old or with pre-existing conditions i mean this kid used to play football at uconn He was a super healthy individual took care of himself again 23 years old he's doing well now he has no fever he has no symptoms he's in quarantine for the next 14 days but i just hope everybody out there is being safe taking care of the lung bones and taking care of one another uh this is something that you definitely need to take serious so um that's my plug for uh, for this week. Bill, I stamped that wholeheartedly. If you want to hear me rip on the spring breakers who still went down to Miami, Florida, pop over to my YouTube channel. I made an 11-minute video flaming everybody who's not practicing social distancing. So you can go find that if you just search my name, Grayson Wimbish. Uh, I tear them to shreds. Pat, do you have any shout-outs during this time? I uh, got to give a shout out to Ryan Williams's offensive line just for being there for him all of 2009. What a cute shout out, Pat. That's a nice, cute shout out. Thank you so much. No cute in football. Everybody tune in. Uh, we're coming at you soon here. Uh, Sunday, Bill Roth. We're excited about it. And everybody stay safe out there. Take care.